for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Mine, oh, no, yeah, well, my name is Jim, but I was actually going to say to you that Jim Warfare at tntradio.live, that's my email address. I almost butchered my intro there. Send me an email, as always. Uh, let me know where in the world you are mailing me from. It's my favorite part. I do get a number of emails, and I apologize for not replying to, to all of them. It's just, you know, it's just <laughs> a time thing. But I do reply when I can. As I said, Jim Warfare at tntradio.live. Jump into the live chat. Say hi. All right. I think let's get to my guest. I'm very excited to be chatting to him in a moment. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. It's the stuff. What citizen wouldn't want to make American great again? People are talking about. Vilifying MAGO is just not going to work. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. One of my favorite people in the world, Russell Bentley. How are you, my friend? Real glad to be talking to you again, Jeremy. You're one of my favorite people too. Great to be back with you. <laughs> Last time we spoke, well, I mean, every time we speak, there's a lot going on. And so uh, I, I suppose a, a nice introduction is congratulations. I would uh, I would assume Russia has won. Well, it's, um, it's a little bit early for that uh, statement yet, bro. I mean, Russia has smashed the Ukrainian army, but there is thousands of NATO troops and mercenaries. The NATO troops are wearing Ukrainian army uniforms. Um, you know, they're highly skilled. Uh, as you may know, uh, right after the October 7th thing in Gaza, uh, it was reported uh, and verified that 2,000 Israeli special forces troops left Kiev to return to uh, Israel to deal with uh, their situation there. So that just gives you an idea. I mean, 2,000 Israeli troops going mm -hmm. back to Israel from Ukraine, and, um, and they didn't all go back, but uh, you understand how many of them there were. And nobody, you know, people talk about, you know, Georgian mercenaries or ISIS mercenaries, um, you know, um, American, Colombian, uh, and of which there are plenty of those here. But you never heard anything about the Israelis uh, being here until, you know, they all, you know, it was reported that 2,000 of them got, went through the airport in Kiev in one day, you know, going back to Israel. So mm. there's, I mean, the is Ukrainian army uh, is hurting very badly. They've run out of men. They just, there's a law right now in Kiev to raise the conscription age to 70 years old and lower it to 17, Gee, you know, which is 70, which is criminally insane, you know, but uh, it shows their desperation. There's been videos published recently of, uh, you know, Ukrainian positions that were taken that had uh, multiple women um, that were in these positions that were killed in the fight, you know, and I mean, Gee. you know, you don't know if they're, conscripts or if they're like the hardcore private sector nazis themselves or what but i mean it shows that you know ukraine is literally running out of men to fight but western countries are hiring uh, mercenaries by the thousands and sending their own soldiers in under the cover of uh, oh they're on vacation or they're retired or something mm. but there's still a very heavy fight it was just recently uh like in the last couple of days confirmed 
uh, by extremely reliable sources that uh, Armenia, Pashinian, the uh, traitor president of Armenia, who betrayed not only uh, Karabakh and Armenia, but also Russia, has now uh, promised to send uh, Torchka-U missiles, uh, about 200 of them, uh, and, and more launchers to Ukraine. And these Torchka-U's, they're a very, they're a ballistic missile. Uh, they have like a 300 kilometer range, uh, and they have a 1,000 pound uh, explosive warhead. They can also carry cassette bombs. They can also carry chemical warheads. They can also carry nuclear warheads. You know, and so, and 200 of those, you know, is enough to turn a city like Donetsk into Gaza. You know, so, you know, mm -hmm. there's the Ukrainians also still have uh, uh, chemical weapons that they have produced themselves that they have used. Uh, against Russian soldiers, I mean, then this this is a absolutely confirmed. You know, there's a, you know, the bioweapons labs that they had in Ukraine uh, have now the labs have been moved to other places, but those uh, biological weapons are still, at least to some degree, available to the Ukrainians. And you know, they're you know NATO CIA masters. Um, there is a report of a strange uh, cold that's going around in Russia right now. It lasts for like three months, but it, it doesn't, uh, it's not tuberculosis, it's not COVID, but it's, it's something uh, strange and new, you know. And then again, there's the dirty bombs, which uh, have been a threat uh, for a long time here. Uh, when the special operation started um, in um, February of 2022, one of the first things that they did was they went to uh, an Air Force base near Kiev, and they went to the Zaporozhye nuclear power plant, and uh, they actually discovered and removed, you know, homemade dirty bombs, which are radioactive, highly radioactive bombs. That, you know, they have uh, uranium in them and stuff, but, you know, they don't cause a nuclear reaction, a nuclear explosion. But what they do when they explode, they, uh, the fallout spreads out, and it's very, very deadly. So... You know, the Ukraps, you know, they're getting a new shipment of these Tochka-U ballistic missiles. Uh, they have NBC nuclear, biological, and chemical weapons at their uh, disposal, and they still have, you know, multi-multi-thousands of mercenaries and NATO troops. So it's, it's a long way from victory still, you know, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm being facetious, but, I mean, we knew that mm. that – Ukraine would never win right from day one. Uh, I mean, Putin Putin had a strategy. Let's never forget this. He had a strategy and it was a highly focused laser pinpoint pinpoint precision strategy. The the Western media very obviously tried to obfuscate that though. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, actually, you know, at the beginning, the very beginning, uh, March and April, into May of 2022, it looked like the Russian army was going to, uh, you know, handily defeat the Ukrainian army in short order. They were very close to Kiev. Um, but then for some unknown, still unknown reason, uh, they decided to retreat, which caused, uh, you know, some deadly serious problems for people that lived in the areas, uh, uh, like up around Kharkov that had been liberated by the Russians and then evacuated by the Russians. You know, I mean, that was uh, 
you know, there were some terrible reprisals that went on and stuff like that. But, you know, this war has been uh, a learning experience uh, for the Russians as well as for NATO. You know, I was talking to a good friend of mine that uh, has been in the uh, that I served with back in 2015. He's been in the uh, DPR and Russian Army ever since. He served with Wagner in uh, Libya and Central African Republic and Syria, uh, and also in Donbass uh, and also up around Kherson or uh, up around uh, Kharkov. And you know, I was saying, you know, one of the main things about the Donbass War is that you know, this is, you know, and I said to my friend, I said, well, you know, this is like the first drone war where drones have been used, you know, as extremely deadly game changer weapons. Uh, and he actually corrected me, he said, no, they were, you know, it was Libya where drones first got their start, but they are certainly mm -hmm. a game changer here. And, you know, another aspect. So the Russians have learned a lot. They, uh, they're doing a good job. I mean, but at the same time, um, you know, the people in Donetsk are still being bombed quite heavily in the city where, you know, I've lived for nine years now and, you know, the people are pretty tired of it. And they're thinking if, if, uh, you know, if, if, if the Russian ministry of defense are such a bunch of geniuses, then how come they can't move the front lines, you know, 30 kilometers in two years to get us out of range of, you know, artillery shells drones you know and i'm yeah. talking about like you know dji drones and i'm not trying to be like a defeatist or a downer or anything i'm just explaining that you know certain dudes uh, who've made quite a name for themselves and quite a nice living by telling people for the last two years that oh we're going to win in two weeks and russia's going to just you know can destroy ukraine anytime they want you know that's not really accurate and it's not really helpful either because the people here in the cities I mean, the three main cities of the DPR, which is Donetsk, Makievka, and Gorlovka, are still shelled on a pretty much daily basis. You know, pe civilians are still being murdered here. And, um, you know, and the guys in the trenches uh, are still having a very, very tough fight, you know. So, you know, the truth is, you know, this war could go on for a couple of more years. And there's also the wild cards, like I said, the NBC um, or, you know, even this shipment of 200 Torchka ooze could, could really change a lot of things in a very short time. You know, that's, that's a lot, 200,000 pounds of high explosives on the, uh, on the tips of ballistic missiles that can, you know, reach, you know, all the way to what used to be the Russian border and beyond. What do you think Putin did wrong, though? Well... I'm not saying, well, I can tell you, I can tell you, I will say what Putin did wrong. And I'm a, I'm a citizen of Russia. I admire Putin. I don't think that there's uh, anybody in Russia that could do a job better than him. Uh, so, you know, I'm not uh, in any way dissing him, but I'll say this. I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is Putin should have handled this back in the, the spring of 2014. You know, if, mm -hmm. if he had uh, told uh, um, the president of Ukraine back then, Yanukovych, you know, to <clears throat> squash the riot by whatever means was necessary, it would have it would have saved this war. It would have <clears throat> saved hundreds of thousands 
of people's lives. You know, I mean, then came the Minsk agreements when the DPR militia, you know, was was advancing and had uh, in Dvosvo and Ilovaisk had major chunks of the Ukrainian army surra- surrounded. And then all of a sudden, you know, the West comes in with this uh, Minsk agreement ceasefire. And Russia, you know, basically tells the guys here, all right, stop. And we stopped. And all those guys that were surrounded got away, went on to be trained for the next eight years by, you know, NATO, Israeli, you know, special forces instructors. Um, they built up the um, fortifications in Avdievka and in Mariinka, um, which are the two hardest nuts to crack right now on the uh, Donbass front, uh, Donetsk front. And, uh, and then after eight years, when everybody here, everybody here knew that it was, you know, completely bogus the whole time, that it was just a, a scam, a diplomatic trick, you know, and I mean, and everybody here knew it, but for some reason, apparently in the Kremlin, they didn't know it. And then it turned out, you know, at the beginning of the special military operation, you know, uh, Hollande, who had been the president of France and a signatory of the Minsk agreements, and Merkel from Germany, who also had been a signatory, you know, they both said, hey, you know, this was just a scam the whole time. It was just a way of buying time. We, we fooled the Russians, you know. So, you know, that was another huge mistake, you know. I mean, and then when they started the special military operation, uh, apparently they really underestimated the, uh, the training, the, the weapons, the armaments, you know, the, uh, the ferocity of the Ukrainian soldiers. And, you know, so they, they came forward fast, but then they had to retreat and that cost a lot of good people their lives. And so there's been, mm-hmm. I mean, and the biggest fear right now, I can tell you, in Donbass and among, among the civilians and the soldiers here, is that there's going to be another ceasefire and some other, uh, you know, diplomatic scam is going to get pulled over the Russians again. And uh, it won't lead it to anything good. The only, you know, the only way this war can end is with Russian, you know, overwhelming Russian victory. Because we're not just fighting the Ukrainian army, bro. We're fighting NATO you know, we're fighting 50 different countries that, uh, you know, are under the control of NATO and, you know, the Nazis of mm-hmm. the 21st century. Russ, uh, I was about to ask you a question, but actually, I'm going to quickly jump to a break. So I'll be back with you shortly chatting to Russell Bentley. My name is Jeremy. This is TNT right. Radio. TNT Radio's Jeremy Nell and Germ Warfare. I feel like they've hijacked some words that have meaning, sustainable and development, because now if I use the word sustainable, I feel like I'm swearing. When you go onto the United Nations website, so if you go and look at their, their documentation, for example, around Agenda Agenda 2030, what you get is the kind of glossy brochure image 
of sustainable development. And really, when you look through that public-facing brochure, I think it's probably, probably a reasonable description of it, of sustainable development, that's all you get. You, you just get the sound bites and you just get the claims about how wonderful it is going to be. The UN states that the agenda is an agenda for transformation of the world. Most, perhaps acutely, its economy, its industrial processes, and perhaps something that is often overlooked, us, our societies, and us as individuals. We are to be transformed as well. Jeremy now on today's News Talk TNT Radio. The light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours, where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk The conversation continues. I don't believe it, and I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Russell, uh, I mean, I was being facetious earlier when I was talking about um, Russia defeating Ukraine, but you actually brought up a really good point. You, you mentioned NATO and, of course, all the other countries. Essentially... Russia has been fighting NATO. That's exactly right. And, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah. it, seems, it's, it happens, you know, Europe attacks Russia like every hundred years, you know, or so. It was, uh, it was uh, you know, Hitler 80 years ago. It was Napoleon before that. It was Genghis Khan before that. You know, it's like, you know, Russia... You know, they, to call Russia, you know, and you know, aggressor, you know, uh, imperialist is just re- ridiculous. They have it's the biggest geographical country in the world. They have more land than they have people to fill it with. They don't need to go anywhere. They already have everything they need. Mm. Mm. Um. Now, what's interesting to me is I was watching some some Western media. Uh, talking about uh, basically Ukraine giving up, you know, the U.S. now shifting focus to the Middle East, as you well know. It it was almost mm-hmm. as if it was in lockstep. Uh, we we uh, okay, we guys, we aren't doing very well in Ukraine. Let's shift let's shift our attention to Gaza. Um, has mm-hmm. that has that been quite prominent where you are? Yes, it's a, it's a very important development, uh, particularly uh, as far as the. Uh, weapons. I mean, they sent uh, like 300,000 uh, heavy artillery shells to uh, Israel inst- that were they were going to send here. So that's uh, a lot of explosions that aren't going to happen here. You know, it's important to note that you know the uh, the war in in Gaza and the war here are very very closely uh, interlinked. It's the same people that are. Uh, the aggressors in both places, they're using the same money and the same weapons. And so they are very closely uh, linked. But the thing is, is that it doesn't necessarily mean that um, the 
Ukrainian war or the military support by the NATO countries is winding down because although, like they say in the United States, that you know they're not going to be sending as much money, but there's already still a lot of stuff that you know has already been bought and paid for that's still being shipped here. And the other thing, you know, again, it's like it doesn't necessarily mean that they're giving up. It could just be that they're planning to, um, you know, uh, shift tactics. You know, there's been uh, real serious concerns about uh, them doing something like uh, either bombing the uh, Zaporozhye nuclear power plant, which is currently under Russian control and has been uh, shelled uh, very close to the reactors uh, multiple times uh, since the special military operations, since the Russians took control of it. You know, they, uh, there's talk of uh, the Ukrainians you know, shelling one of their own nuclear power plants and uh, making it a false flag and blaming the Russians on it, you know, for it. Mm. Um, you know, it's also, I mean, it's important to understand that, you know, the the people, the population of, of Ukraine, the, the government of Ukraine has exactly zero uh, consideration for their well-being or their future. <clears throat> you remember when the uh, the Americans and British sent a bunch of uh, depleted uranium shells for tanks and for missiles to uh, to Ukraine, and the Russians uh, figured out where the warehouse was, where they were, and uh, and sh- and hit it with a bunch of heavy missiles and blew it up, and now there is uh, depleted uranium uh, being detected in England. From this explosion, which means that, you know, not only all of Western Ukraine, but all of Europe has now been uh, contaminated with this stuff, which is horrific, horrific stuff, man, because it not only contaminates the earth, the air and the water, but, you Mm. know, it's like persistent. And if you've ever seen the photographs of the kind of birth defects that uh, that this stuff causes, even in minute amounts. You know, it'll give you nightmares, man. And, uh, you know, when you have, like, you know, a child born in your family who's, you know, like, uh, you know, completely disabled, you know, unable to function in any way, you know, you still have to take care of that kid. And it's like, you know, it destroys the whole future of the whole family. You know, so it's evil stuff that they're bringing in and uh, they don't care if it, you know, contaminates their own people. Just for clarity, uh, give me an update now on the um, the political landscape now of Eastern Ukraine. So it's under Russian control. Is it now, does it fall under Russia? Yes, it's actually like officially uh, been um, inducted into the Russian Federation. I mean, I have a Russian passport here. Most people either have one or are in the process of getting one now. Uh, in Russia, I'm considered a Russian citizen now. Um, I have Russian license plates on my car. I have a Russian driver's license. Um, you know, basically all aspects of uh, what was once the Donetsk People's Republic government are now uh, either changed over to Russian Federation government or are in the, in the process of that now. So, you know, it's, it's Russia now. And 
What is the general atmosphere like where you are? I mean, you're in Donetsk. Yes, that's right. Um, right now, it's, uh, it's not bad. There's, uh, you know, the shelling was very, you know, the shelling, it like comes in waves, you know, and, uh, you know, say a month ago, it was very, very heavy here, even in the center of the city um, in where, where our home is in the Petrovsky district. Um, you know, uh, the shelling's so bad there. The shelling has, that's close to the front line. And, uh, the shelling's been so bad there. We haven't, we haven't stayed in our home, uh, you know, since the beginning of the special military operation in the beginning of 2022, you know, we're staying at a friend's apartment in the center of the city. You know, there's, uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's some good improvements here. There's, um, the roads, the Russians have really, really repaired a lot of roads that really needed repairing. Uh, they've built a pipeline from the Don River in Rostov. Uh, the Ukrainians uh, had been, you know, uh, systematically bombing the uh, water pumping station and the water filtration station that Donetsk had, um, you know, before the special military operation, after um, which which fed not only the main cities of the DPR, but also, I mean, Mariupol, which was at the beginning of the operation still under Ukrainian control. Uh, once Mariupol was liberated, uh, the Ukrainians just totally destroyed the water system for, uh, you know, that basically fed the eastern part of uh, Donbass. And the Russians uh, have built a, a whole new uh, pipeline, you know, it goes like, 200 kilometers from Rostov and the Don River to Donetsk. And so uh, for the first time in years, we have, you know, a good, uh, you know, good water pressure, very clean water. Uh, it's been a real improvement. You know, and what, roads and water, you know, are two of the things that have, you know, a great influence on the quality of life in a city. And uh, those things have been improved. We, we now have uh, banking here, Russian banking, and uh, we're getting uh, uh, slowly getting up to, you know, basically Russian standards of living as far as, uh, you know, minimum wage and paychecks and stuff like that. So, it's, I mean, there have been improvements. Uh, there's still a long ways to go, still a long ways to go. But, I mean, is it, is it actually a net benefit? I mean, now that your region is part of Russia, doesn't it make it more now, more of a target? No, I mean, it, it, it could not have been more of a target than it ever was, bro. I mean, they were, mm. you know, they, and, and understand this, this is important to put in context, the special military operation. The Ukrainian army uh, in February of 2022 had amassed 160,000 troops along the front line of the, uh, the Donbass front. Um, they had a plan to, in the first week of March, to break through the lines and take control of the main cities, Donetsk, uh, Makievka, and uh, Gorlovka. And uh, basically, and you understand that the front line is basically on the city limits of all three of these cities. Um, 
I mean, literally within five kilometers, you know, literally of the city limits mm-hmm. of these cities. So they wouldn't have had to come very far. You know, they were faced by 50, 60,000 DPR militia, uh, which was by then a very effective army. Um, but, you know, they had a very real chance of breaking through the defensive lines, in which case they would have been right in the middle of <clears throat> of cities with, you know, hundreds of thousands of civilians, you know, and they you know, it's urban combat, so they're, their tanks are parked right next to an apartment building, their air defense, stuff like that. It's right in the middle of a school. And, you know, by mixing, by using the civilians as a human shield, uh, this would have negated Russia's, uh, you know, three most important military advantages, which is its artillery, its uh, rockets, and its air power. You know, because, of course, you know, you can't attack... I mean, you can, but Russia wasn't going to, you know, kill tens of thousands of civilians just to destroy, you know, some tanks or something like that, you know. So Russia came in, like, less than two weeks before this offensive was uh, scheduled to start. And they saved, basically, the people of Donetsk from being done to, like, what the people of Gaza are being done to now. You know, because it would have been like that. It was ethnic cleansing, genocide, real genocide. I mean, the Ukrainians have uh, for years said that, you know, they just want the land. They don't want the people. And uh, however they get rid of them is uh, just whichever way is most convenient. So, you know, the Russians, you know, even with their less than perfect conduct of the operation, you know, have saved literally hundreds of thousands of innocent lives. And so, you know, thanks to God and Vladimir Putin and the Russian soldiers who came in, you know, we're still here and, and I'm still talking to you. How damaging has U.S. foreign policy been? Well, it's, that's kind of a wide question, bro. It's been probably one of the most pernicious influences in history, particularly since the end of the Second World War. <laughs> so, I mean, and that goes for no, most of the world. I was, you know, you, I was referring to Ukraine. <laughs> ah, okay, well, uh, I mean, well, I mean, okay, so just Ukraine. I mean, look, Ukraine is now a failed state. It's a broken country. They don't have, mm. uh, they don't have enough men to, to work. I mean, the, the, the GDP of Ukraine has dropped in, in the last two years, it's dropped 30%, you know, 30%. I mean, 30%. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, and you understand that basically what's happening is a little bit more slow motion version of what the same people that are doing this to Ukraine did to, you know, Libya and tried to do to Syria and they did to Afghanistan, you know, I mean, and they did to mm-hmm. Yugoslavia, you know, it's like, you know, you can't name a country that the U.S. or NATO has gone into to so-called protect or liberate or bring democracy to, you know, at least since the beginning of this century, for sure, that, you know, has not just been completely destroyed. You know, and that's what mm-hmm. they're doing. They're literally destroying 
you know, Ukraine. I mean, the, the Ukrainians have now made a law where foreign uh, corporations can come and buy agricultural land, which Ukraine is known and, and well-deservedly so as, uh, you know, the richest uh, farmland on earth. You know, in most places, the, uh, the topsoil, the fertile soil that grows crops is, uh, you know, uh, maybe a foot and a half, two feet deep. In, in Ukraine, it's like six feet deep. You know, it is literally the best place to grow food on earth, you know, at least as far as the soil is concerned. And it's being sold, you know, for pennies on the dollar um, to foreign corporations, particularly uh, Monsanto and BlackRock. And these guys are bringing in the GMO crops, you know, all the, you know, Roundup and these, you know, fertilizers and uh, pesticides that, Mm. are not good for long-term sustainable agriculture. And, you know, I mean, the economy is, is, is in ruins. Uh, you know, the military is in ruins. The government is the most corrupt on earth. You know, it's, it's a ruined state, man. It's been terrible. And it's all, all of it is because the United States, you know, backed by, you know, the parasite class of, you know, the NATO countries, um, has basically uh, started started the Maidan. They they came here to, you know, either you know you use the to destabilize Ukraine to destabilize Russia, and and they haven't destabilized Russia, but they've destroyed Ukraine. I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's a failed state. You know, thirty percent. No, excuse me, twenty five percent of all the prostitutes in Western Europe are from Ukraine. I'm not quite sure what to do with that information. (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, I don't know. Next time you're in Europe, you might want to, you know, (laughs) do a little research. (laughs) Are you you saying that uh, RussianBrides.com has been upgraded to UkrainianBrides.com? Well, um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, dude, I mean, that's, it was always, I mean, there's not many Russian women that would want to go to America these days, I don't think, you know, I mean, there's, mm. there is, you know, like, you know, a portion of the Russian population that's, you know, pro-West, but it's mostly the oligarchs, uh, you know, and the, uh, you know, the hipsters, you know, the stupid young people that, uh, you know, watch American TV and think that, that's the way America still is. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, they're, they're really brainwashing, you know, and the power of propaganda is, it's, it's, it's really been un- mis- m- misunderstood and underestimated because, you know, people, you know, nine years ago when the Maidan started, there were people in Mariupol and in Odessa and stuff like that, you know, who, really understood that this was a foreign backed coup that was uh, going to be detrimental to their interests. And just in those 10 years, like in the city of Mariupol, I was down there several times while there was still fighting. And, um, you know, in the early days, uh, you know, the early spring or summer of, of 2022. And I mean, I remember talking to some chick that was standing in line for Russian human aid, the Russians were bringing in, you know, hundreds of tons a day of, you know, food and water, and 
you know, batteries and, you know, stuff like that. And uh, this chick's standing in line to get stuff from the, from the Russians. And I'm like, you know, how's it going? And she's like, you know, Slava Geroyim, you know, which is basically the Ukrainian version of Heil Hitler, you know. And so, you know, there's in Ukraine, you know, and in Russia, there's still, you know, a minority of, of people that have fallen for the, uh, you know, the siren song, you know, that will uh, lead them to the rocks, you know, and, you know, but I mean, most people in Russia, you know, absolutely support Putin, absolutely support the special military operation. And, um, you know, the idea of destabilizing Russia, you know, by this war uh, has completely failed, completely failed. Um, Russia is stronger now than it was two years ago or, you know, nine years ago. And it's getting stronger every day. You know, I mean, Russia, mm. you know, politically, economically, militarily is handling its business very, very well. Russell Bentley, I'll be global, back with you in a moment. On the global stage. What's that? Yes, yes. No, I said I'll be back with you mm. in a moment. My name is Jim. This is TNT Radio. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Thanksgiving's less than a week away, and if you're planning on taking your kids to the Thanksgiving Day Parade, the Macy's Parade in New York City, or watching it on TV with the kids, think again, give serious consideration, because Fox News reports that as of Tuesday, 20,000 outraged people have signed a petition posted by one million moms protesting the inclusion of two Broadway shows in the parade, both of which feature transgender and non-binary performers in major roles. Yes, indeed. Think again. Here's Kristen Wagoner with Alliance Defending Freedom. Just another example of an ideological war that's being waged on families. And customers are saying they've had enough, but it seems that corporate brands that were once trusted just still aren't getting the message. So I think you're seeing parents stand up, rise up and say, we're going to parent and we expect our family friendly events to truly be family friendly and not teach our children values that we object to. We need to understand very clearly that these ideologies that are being peddled in films and in our school systems are designed to pit children against their parents. And it's time for parents to not stand on the sidelines but to truly use their influence. Folks, don't let your kids be indoctrinated. Find something else to do. Don't let them watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Make sure you tune into my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT Radio. Need a ride? Yeah! Driving with kids is a big responsibility. Hop in and buckle up! So don't sweat the small stuff. You got paint all over our paper! Get the big stuff right instead. What does that mean? Like making sure your kids are in the correct car seat and buckled up for safer travel. That deserves a wiggly wiggly wig. To make sure your child is in the right seat for their age and size, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Russell, you mentioned just before the break uh, the power of propaganda. This is something that... I don't think we talk enough about it is so I agree obvious to me yeah it's something that is so obvious to me that it it it's bewildering how people don't look at the media with a more critical critical eye on average I mean should should it not be an alarm bell if RT and Sputnik are completely 
band across the West. This should already already tell you something. Um, yes, it should, man. I mean, if, if you want a really good example, just in the last week or two weeks or something, there was a big uh, uptick. People on like TikTok and stuff, millions of people started reading a, a letter that was supposedly written by Osama bin Laden back in like 2001 about the reasons that they did uh, 9-11, which I don't believe he wrote the letter and I don't believe that, you know, that Al-Qaeda was the driving force behind that event, but yeah. know, millions of people started reading this and now it's been banned from TikTok. It's been, you know, the letter is deleted from the Guardian newspaper in England, you know, and, and literally Western media around the world is now hiding this letter. They're, you know, deleting it from, from their platforms and that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, and of course, you can still be found elsewhere on the internet. And of course, once you ban something, that just makes people want to go out and look for it and find it more. But, uh, you know, I mean, just the idea of the things that, you know, I was born in 1960, you know, and I remember, you know, cartoons and stuff that, you know, would get people, you know, fired from their jobs or even maybe sued or put in jail for these days. You know, I mean, you just, you can't say things that it used to be very common to say, you know, and it's like, um, and I'm not talking about like racial slurs or something like that, but just, you know, it's like, you know, Oh, you hurt my feelings. I'm going to sue you, you know? And it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's uh, and it's, and it's, it's a form of mind control because just like from 1984, the book by George Orwell, uh, that everyone should read to understand what's really happening now, you know, by changing the language, by making words that people can't say, it translates into thoughts that people can't think, you know, and I mean, it's really, mm. you know, it's, uh, it's a Pavlov's dog, uh, you know, mind control type stuff. And it's, it's terrible. And it's, I mean, the censorship, you know, bro, I mean, um, I got kicked off of Twitter in 2016, you know, banned for life. Um, in 2018, I got banned from this thing called uh, Live Leak, which was kind of a British version of YouTube. Um, in 2022, I got kicked off of, of YouTube. You know, I got kicked off of Facebook, not because I was saying hate speech or racist stuff, just for censorship, you know, and... I mean, you know, to silence differing views is just proof that the the predominant view is flawed and can't, you know, defend itself with, you know, reason and logic. And that's that's the case yeah. here, you know. I mean, when, you know, when the Israelis, you know, when people, you know, um, say uh, protest against what's happening in Gaza right now, which is real genocide, and the Israelis just simply say, "Oh, well, you're anti-Semitic. You hate you hate Jews because, you know, you, yes. you, you you're saying that the IDF yes. is committing genocide, and that's that's totally fake. But what it does is is it it chills the discourse, and it prevents people from being able to speak the truth, bro. And the truth, in the end, for the good guys, which, you know, people can figure out for themselves who's the good guys, who's telling the truth, and who's lying." The truth is our most powerful weapon, bro. And I mean, we, we cannot win 
without the truth because there's two ways that you can defeat your enemy. You know, you can go in and you can, uh, you know, you can, you can kill and destroy until they're uh, unable and unwilling to resist. You know, and that's not the way to win. The way to win is to make your enemy your friend. And that's the way, you know, that's the win-win situation, and that's the way towards a, you know, stable and ongoing peace, you know. When, 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 mm. when you go in and you help your, you know, your former adversaries and, you know, and you raise up their quality of life and stuff like that, their liberty to, you know, think and speak and represent themselves, you know, that's the true victory. And that's, you know, that's what, what I really believe that Vladimir Putin is, is aiming for, which is, of course, a much more difficult strategy, especially when, you know, you have, you know, brainwashed psychopaths as your enemies. But if, you know, the U.S. and NATO can, can brainwash millions of Ukrainians in 10 years, then you know, Russia should be able to unbrainwash them in 10 more years, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it would appear to me, Russell, that Washington is not very good at creating friends. Uh, if, if, if creating friends is a great strategy, then uh, they're not very good at it. I mean, they're looking for regime change in Russia, regime change in China, regime change in, in, uh, in Iran. I mean, this is a terrible strategy if you're going to try and make friends. Well, I mean, it's, you know, and of course, if you go in and you try and destroy people's economies, take, you know, food off the table of their families, if you kill their families, you know, if you um, try and isolate them politically, that's not very friendly. And that's really a, not a good way to make friends either. And so, you know, it's, you know, and it's just like with the thing in Gaza, you know, it's like, you know, if if you're if you're doing genuinely evil, you know, you know, genocidal stuff, then it's not people don't like it because oh it's you know the IDF or something. They don't like it because it's evil and genocidal. And you have to stop doing yeah. that before you can make friends. Oh, and by the way, bro, there's one thing I wanted to mention too that you know, yeah. right before your show our show started uh, I was listening to the TNT news, and they were reporting about this uh, the ship that the Houthis uh, seized in the Red Sea, and uh, mm. they said that it was uh, Japanese-operated and British-owned, and uh, that is technically correct, but uh, not the whole story. The guy that owns the British company that owns that ship, uh, he's a guy named uh, Abraham Unger. He's Israeli. Uh, he's the ex-IDF uh, Intelligence Corps. Uh, he's very close friends with uh, Yassi Cohen, who was the um, director of Mossad. And um, he's, a, he's a billionaire. And, and he's the guy who, you know, in the real sense of calling shots, uh, who owned that ship, you know. So actually, I wanted to say, uh, you know, that I really admire this operation. Um, they've not only took a ship that was worth $50 million away from a billionaire, but they've, you know, they put all Israeli shipping uh, in the Red Sea, which is, you know, connected to the Suez Canal. So it's the shortest way for shipping to go from 
the Mediterranean to uh, Asia. They put it all under threat, you know, because everything that goes through the Suez Canal, which is 12% of all global trade, uh, it's $3 billion a day worth of stuff goes through the Suez Canal. And everything that goes through the Suez Canal on the north end of the Red Sea has to pass by Yemen at the south end, and that's a thousand miles from Israel, so it's far enough away to where Israel can't have like a, you know, uh, overwhelming or constant uh, military presence there. So, you know, these guys have hit the Israeli economy uh, as hard as the IDF is hitting Gaza, uh, and they did it with, uh, you know, 12 dudes in a helicopter, and no one even got hurt. You know, so that's that's pretty good uh, political judo, in, in my opinion, you know, because economic war is just the other side of the uh, military war, you know, two sides of the same coin. And, uh, and they, they hit Israel hard yesterday and, and did it in a pretty, uh, a pretty humane and elegant fashion. Russell, how do you think Putin is looking at what's going on in Gaza and Israel? Well, I mean, Vladimir Putin's a decent human being, and no decent human being can look at what's going on there and not be, you know, uh, appalled beyond description. So I know that he hates it, you know, but at the same time, you know, the um, Israel and, uh, you know, the Russian Jewish community have a lot of power in Russia, you know, I mean, and, you know, uh, and of course, you know, most of the Kiev regime, um, you know, are Jewish and, you know, and I'm absolutely not against Jewish people. I'm just pointing out a simple fact here. Um, you know, Zelensky's parents live in Israel and, uh, you know, so many, you know, Kolomoisky, uh, Yatsenyuk, so many of them have dual citizenship. And so, you know, Putin is trying to stop, you know, genocide any way he can. Uh, he's got his hands full with uh, plenty of other things, too. Uh, and he does have uh, a certain fifth column in Moscow and even inside the Kremlin that he has to, uh, you know, take into account and, you know, and in fact, uh, you know, be somewhat wary of. Mm. Okay, time is starting to run out, Russ. So um, mm -hmm. let's quickly talk about how, if I wanted to uh, keep up with what's going on where you are, how can I follow you? Okay, um, like I said, dude, I've been uh, banned by most Western media platforms. The two that I'm on right now, which is V. v Congratulations. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you know, they. that's how you can tell that... Uh, you're, you're doing your job and, and they're scared of you, you know, and I really mean that, you know, and so you can see that, you know, it's happening to more and more people. Uh, my friend, uh, Graham Phillips was sanctioned by the British government. Uh, my friend, uh, Alina Lip, who was a German Russian dual citizen. Uh, she had her bank accounts. I mean, just for being a journalist here in Donbass, she had her bank account seized. Her mother was being harassed. Um, her mother made it out to Russia now, but, uh, you know, they're really breaking down on honest journalism. So the two platforms that I'm on right now 
are V-Contact, uh, also known as VK. Uh, it's a, basically a Russian Facebook, uh, but you know, much more uh, cultured, much more intelligent. Um, you know, not you know, one percent of the you know. I mean, if if, if you go on there and start posting uh, pro ISIS or something, um, you know, you're going to get censored. But other than that, I mean, honest news is respected there, and and it's not bothered. So V Contact, which is Russian Facebook. And Telegram, which is kind of a, like a Russian Twitter, but with more in-depth. Uh, there's more things. It's, you know, it's uh, encrypted messaging. It's uh, you can post videos, you can post links, you know, you can post uh, long posts uh, of text. And Telegram really is about the best platform for honest news um, mm -hmm. in the world right now. And uh, I'm on both of those. There's one bad thing about Telegram though is that they uh, don't do a very effective job about um, um, removing fake accounts. And most, you know, particularly, you know, pro-Russian, anti-Bandera accounts on Telegram will have uh, multiple fake accounts with, you know, the same picture, the same name. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of people have that problem, including me. But uh, my uh, my... Um, channel on Telegram. It's uh, like the at sign TXDPR. You know, Texas Donetsk People's Republic, basically. Uh, it's got about 15,000 subscribers. Um, that's the real one. Um, and, I, you know, I post there every day. That's my main platform. And then B-Contact is, uh, you can just look up Russell Bentley. B-Contact doesn't have, you know, they uh, breakdown on takes a lot better. So if you look up Russell Bentley, you know, on uh, and actually you can even still Google me and like on the second or third page, you can find uh, a link to my real Telegram and my real VK. I'm also, uh, by the way, I'm also um, working with Sputnik News now. Um, so you can also look at Sputnik International, which is the uh, English version of Sputnik News. Um, I'm working with, with that group, uh, working closely with Dimitri Symes, who's a great guy. Um, he, he grew up in America, but he's a Russian citizen and now lives and works in Moscow. And, um, and I'm, I'm posting a lot of stuff on, on their site, Sputnik International, as well as their Telegram uh, and other media platform channels. Russell Bentley, thank you for joining me in the trenches. I love chatting to you. Great talking to you again, Jerm. Uh, let's keep in touch, man. We'll stay in touch. Thank you, Russ. Uh, man, I've got to tell you, uh, for those who uh, haven't heard Russ before, um, I uh, I don't know how long ago it was, towards the beginning of the special military operation, as Russ calls it, I, uh, he and I got in contact. And um, it was such a an eye-opener for me chatting to, to Russ. He really gave me the, the real news and uh, it just cut right through the propaganda. And I think... Without people like Russ, I think I would be very, very misguided. So I really do appreciate um, knowing Russell, and I do hope that you follow you follow his updates. He is a great, great inspiration. Send me an email, germwarfare at uh, tntradio.live, and uh, I will catch you in the next hour. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas.